step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time Toasted Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Buck Behind the Glass. Got Spider Jack with some fancy stats here for us as well. Intern Danielle across the way. It's full house. Full house here in the studio, but we have some hockey to talk, and I'm just going to start it off like this, Glenn. I'm start off like this. Preds fans, it's okay to be concerned now. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Think I'd ever say that one? I know, I didn't. It's but okay you to be concerned. Some, yeah. It is okay to be concerned. Not saying it's okay to freak out, but it's okay to be concerned. Why is it okay to be concerned? This team is not producing like they should be. Now, you know, some folks have said it uh, on Facebook because, of course, you've heard me <laughs> refer to Facebook really? multiple times and the hot takes <laughs> that happen on there. But the thing is, I think uh, Adam Vingen said uh, earlier on the radio, too, he's with The Athletic, this team's not a cup contender. Now, what I say, you know, people are like, well, what does he get saying that? What does he get? Well, he's the beat writer. He's, he's around this team. He gets a sense of the team. Same thing, you know, Robbie Stanley and so many other people. You know, beat writers are supposed to have opinions as well because they're around the team so much. Currently, as the way this team is playing, they're not a cup contender. Now, you know why? Why? Cup contenders find a way to win games. They do against bad they teams. they win games that they're supposed to win. They win games supposed to win. Now, does this team have the talent overall to do it? Yeah, I do. Even even as is, I think they could if they're playing hot like they did in their run a couple years ago. But do they have the execution? No. Nowhere near the execution that they should. What falls into that part of the execution? Oh, the power play. That, yep. Oh, yeah. They got one last night. Ooh. One? <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> there's a start. There's a, there's a start, but there's still so many things wrong with it. Now, I did like seeing... P.K. Subban basically run the power play. Mm-hmm. I've seen the creativity behind that. Groot, uh, a.k.a. Brian Boyle, yes. parking his butt right in front of the Just net. Just like we said, that's exactly where he should he, be. He should be, and he does that during practice as well. But what do you do about the second unit? What do you do about that one? Well, you have to adjust the strategy. So I, I, there, there's so much that I'm, that I'm disagreeing with on the power play because there's still, I think, too many point shots going on, and I don't get it. I just don't understand the the process, the thought process behind that strategy, mm-hmm. and that is an issue. Uh, so <laughs> there's also room for, con- for for being concerned because of production, because this is a one line team, and we've been saying that they need depth scoring. But the thing is, they've had depth players scoring before. I mean, last year they did have those third liners that scoring goals. Cal, Cal Yarncroke had a pretty decent season last year. He slowed down a lot this year. So some stats for you in five games. In the past five games, 25 points have been scored by Roman Yossi, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg, and Ryan Johansson. Seven for Yossi, five for Arvidsson, five for Forsberg, eight for Johansson. Okay? The rest of the team, 19 points. Wow. 
And that's when you said, like you said, the talent is there, but it's not showing. And P.K. Subban uh, brought up a good point after the game last night against Detroit. He said he feels like players are playing a little too individual, if you will, and they're not, they're kind of on their own page. They're not on the same page playing as a team. And he said, we have to be on the same page in how we play the game. And I think that that's a very good point because when you look at some, not all, of their most recent losses, you've seen the good looks, you've seen some of the quality chances, you've seen some the team out shooting their opponent, and yet they're not getting a win at the end. Now, when you play your predator system and you're playing as a team, for instance, the first line, it's like they're playing in this little team amongst themselves of three, and it's working. Mm-hmm. But when you start to play as that team, you're going to capitalize on those chances. You're going to communicate with your line mates. You're going to read your line mates properly, and you're going to complete passes And that's going to lead to scoring a goal and winning a game. And so he brought up a very good point. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that's what we're seeing. Everybody's kind of just playing out there, playing their own game. And it's that's when you don't get that sinking and that clicking and that chemistry. And you you see that in in every level of hockey. I mean, I'm going to relate it to beer league here, but been on teams before where you have one player that is really, really good and they Mm -hmm. try to do everything. And you're thinking, oh, well, this guy's playing probably two leagues below where he should be. And he's fantastic. He's going to take over the game. It doesn't always happen. It's a team game for a reason. Mm-hmm. One player cannot win you the game all the time. And, and just like and this top that. line cannot win you the game all, all the, time. the time. And you if you start to, de- yep, you start to only depend on that, you are not a cup contender. No, you're not. And, and that's why, look at some other teams that, that are struggling. Colorado, how they were kind of hot. They've struggled a lot. Yeah. They're a one-line team. Because they're depending on that top line. On the top line. It, the depth players have got to produce. And it's getting to that point now, and I've talked with multiple media members as well, is if this team's not showing enough fight with what they have right now, which they do have they do have talent, mm-hmm. is it worth David Poyle making a trade to to sell out so much, to sell to sell more draft picks, to sell more prospects, to get a rental player in? If this team's not clicking like it should for a deep playoff yeah, run right now. when they have the talent already. Right. We're in middle of February. Yeah. Now, some people say that last year they peaked too early. Uh, peaking happens in sports. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that. I'd say that it was a failure to execute against Winnipeg. And Winnipeg came very well, felt well ready to play Nashville. And I mean, went to seven games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I wouldn't worry about this team peaking right now because we haven't seen any peak. The peak was in October. If you really want to talk about peaking, they had yeah. an excellent October. If not for that hot start... Where would the Predators be right now? Because they have so many games ahead of most of the entire league. Yep. That you look at this right now, the Predators have played 59 games. Winnipeg played, played 57. Dallas has played 56. Winnipeg is a four-point lead in them right now. So you add two more wins to that, they could have an eight-point lead. Then Dallas had two more games, and that could knock it down to where the Predators only have a four-point lead. Yeah. And On like that- we've, we've talked about it before, they set themselves up really good at the beginning of the season, but that's only going to carry you so long because other teams are starting to step up to bat and they're starting to find their stride and find their peak. And so you can't you can't depend on that and say, well, we're still kind of in a, in a really good place. I mean, yes, maybe you are, but that Standings. can only last you for, you know, a handful of games and then that can change. So I think that I see where Preds fans are becoming frustrated and it, because they know there's more than just that top line. Now, if they're watching a team like Colorado and they, they know that that's pretty much their only shot is that top line working and making it work, then, okay, chances are we're probably not going to make it. But, you know, when you're a Predators fan and you're watching this team and you know the talent, you know the depth, and it's just not clicking, you're just thinking you're just – 
you know, one or two shots going in the right direction and this mm-hmm. entire game could change, that's frustrating. So I can mm-hmm. see where people are really starting to get frustrated and they're starting to get concerned because it's not showing at the end of the game. And Philip Forsberg had six shots on goal, including one big pipe that mm-hmm. he hit in that game. And so it's it, the Joe line's scoring. I mean, Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> oh. Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> he's just six goals shy of his career high of 31, which took him 80 games to reach. He has 25 goals in 35 games this season. And then 23 games remain for the Predators. So he has 23 games to score six mm-hmm. to, to, to tie his career high. So then he could surpass that. I mean, he's on pace for over 40 goals. Yeah. Just when the games he's played, not if he you know, had played a full season. No, he's on pace for 40-plus goals with this minimal amount of games. Exactly, yeah. Play basically, what, a little over half a season. So it is ridiculous what he's able to produce, but give him some help. Yeah. He needs some help. He needs other players to step up and help out. Other players that you have to count on for depth scoring, like Craig Smith, we know, is a streaky is a streaky scorer. Okay, yeah. you know what you have with him. Kelly Yarncroke, he, he needs to be stepping up as well, obviously. Uh, Ryan Hartman, Kevin Fiala. Now, Fiala is one inconsistency. Yep. And he had that. He had an open net, <laughs> and just of course, bless him. Could, couldn't, couldn't couldn't buy a goal there too. Mm-mm. And there's things where you see flashes of brilliance there too. But this is the time where these players have to step up, and it's one of those things. I'm, I will not accuse players of not having heart. Do they? Mm-hmm. They want to win games. Of course, they want to win games. They're also getting paid to be out there, and and everything. They're, that's their job. They know it's their job. What I will accuse them of of having brain farts and not executing. Yeah. But mismanagement of execution does not mean not playing with heart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it, the accusation of not playing with heart would be, okay, your team's third to last in the league. It's the last four games and you're just out there going through the motions. Yeah. And, and that's not what any of us are seeing from the Predators. We're not seeing them out there going through the motions. I think like we mentioned earlier, like what P.K. Subban said, we're seeing them play and they're playing hard, but they're not playing their system properly. And they're not, like you said, executing properly. So if they can get that down, then I don't think there's any reason to be concerned because we're going to start seeing it go in their favor. But until they do, it's going to continue to be a problem. It is. And what, how calm this has been for us. Because I think it's one of those things that it's frustrating to see because we know they can do better. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we're we coming up to this point now of, are you going to be a buyer? Are you going to stand pat? Because, I mean, I think right before that back-to-back against St. Louis, who has been hot of yeah. late? And they keep running these teams that are on win streaks. <laughs> like St. Louis was on a win streak, and they, they get a point out of them. Okay, great. They, they win in overtime against Dallas. Okay. Well, coming in... You have a Montreal team that is seven one and two in their last ten. Yep, uh, that's decent. <laughs> I know a little bit. Wouldn't mind that. No, they, they have an overtime loss to Toronto, another top team in the league, as well. So Montreal, they they're making a push, and Montreal right now is at sixty nine points. They're they're making a push to to be in the top three of their division. <laughs> so they're they're in a slouch right now, and then you have Shea Weber who's healthy and. Can, mm-hmm. can score on the power play. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Okay. We have to move on. We have a lot of hockey to talk tonight. Uh, we're going to have Ben Goats. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights to talk about the Golden Knights in our third segment. And we have plenty of Twitter questions we have to answer. But up next, we're going to talk to Carter Penzian. He's of the University of Georgia hockey team. They just won the SECHC championship, bringing it back to Athens for the third time in the last four years. So Carter Penzian coming up next here on Penalty Box Radio on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. 
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Professor Buck behind the glass. As always, it's just jamming in studio, Glenn. <laughs> this is a good little jam, Buck. <laughs> I got you, dog. What? What is this jam? <laughs> uh, have you heard of Takashi69, currently incarcerated? Oh, is that how you say his oh. name? Oh, Yes. Oh, okay. I just I just read a bunch of letters and then see, I was like, what? I have to read the story about him. I am so out of touch with pop culture Definitely right now. Definitely something that would best not be discussed on air. Yeah, we're going to yeah, have to discuss without, this yeah. after the show. Without the yeah. proper context. Yeah. You're going to have to fill me in later, Buck. Great instrumental, Buck. That is good. No lyrics, just, All just right. jams. Folks, let's talk some college hockey. He's actually a local kid. Local boy from the Nashville area. We have Carter Penzian, the University of Georgia hockey team. Carter, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Carter Penzi, he's the captain of the University of Georgia Ice Dogs, just won the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference Championship that took place at Ford Ice Center over the weekend. They defeated Ole Miss, a very close, tight game. Just, Carter, just what are your feelings as the captain of this team, knowing that, hey, you guys had to battle back, and, and the first time you had to battle back in that tournament, too, from being down uh, by two goals. So what was that feeling like to overcome those odds and win the championship? Yeah, well, uh, first, I mean, it's always it's always something at the beginning of the year that we uh, circle on our calendars. Um, obviously, I think it's a little bit more special for me coming home, playing in front of like friends and family that come out to uh, come out to the Fordyce Center and uh, get to watch me play. And um, I know that going into the tournament, we all wanted it pretty badly. Uh, we came up a little bit short uh, last year, and then a few weeks before, or a few weeks before SECs this year, uh, we came up a little bit short at. Uh, tournament in Savannah, so we were coming there with uh, fire in our eyes, and the first first game was uh, got that out of the way, and then moved on to uh, something a little bit more difficult on Saturday, and um, pulled out a win there. Uh, we weren't sure how that one was going to go, but thankfully we got the win there. And then uh, Sunday was Sunday was the test. Uh, we've we've heard uh, only good things about Ole Miss as a program, um, especially this year, and their coach turning around their program. So we were going in there with. Uh, we didn't really have any mutual opponents or anything with them, but um, I guess going in there and playing our game and got down a couple goals, but that happened a few years ago too against them, told the guys just to keep going, and then uh, thankfully we came back and got the win. And Carter, as a graduate of Mississippi State, I want to publicly thank you for putting away the Rebels in that championship game. That's very much appreciated. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I kind of want to go to the start of the tournament, um, starting off with a 14-0 and win against University of Tennessee. You can't get much better of a start than that. So with a dominant win like that, does that kind of help catapult the team into the next game? Or is the locker room mentality more of you know what, it was a great game, it's over, we're going to kind of start with a fresh mind in the next game. Yeah, that's that's sort of a hard place. Um, I think uh, I don't think there was anybody on the team that doubted us uh, moving past the game on Friday. Um, but it was sort of a tough place coming into Friday's game um, because, I mean, getting a, getting a win of that margin is pretty, obviously it's going to be a pretty easy game for us. So, we uh, yeah, we got the win, but there was a lot of things that uh, – that played against us, I guess, um, going out there and not playing our game, like not skating 100%, not not doing a bunch of things that we would need for Saturday and Sunday's game. Um, so just picking up on bad habits is sort of scary, um, knowing that the Saturday game is going to be a lot harder and it's just going to be – it's not going to be a flip of a switch that turns you on from Friday to Saturday's game. So 
yeah, we got the win. Um, but I think the mentality in the locker room was we got the win, but we need to focus up for tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be a totally different story. Again, Carter Penzine, he's the captain of the University of Georgia Ice Dogs, winners of the 2019 SECHC. Carter, just to, so to help educate people about the program and everything, too, I mean, it's ACHA hockey, and there's it's treated so well. Georgia runs their program so smoothly that it seems like it's an NCAA team with the way that it's run, the organization behind it, the way you guys travel, you know, even and which, how you guys are going to dress for certain events and everything. What's the experience like playing college hockey at Georgia for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I never thought I would experience. Um, I mean, playing junior hockey, uh, that was the I guess the the highest I thought I would get. Um, but after that, I quit for a year and then uh, came over here to Georgia. And I mean, ever since I've been here, it's just I've just seen it grow more and more. Um, we it's a student ran organization, so we do have a foundation board in place. Um, but the students run pretty much everything from uh, booking hotels, booking vans, um, practice slots, uh, getting the schedule knocked down for the upcoming years and everything. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're treated pretty well. I think there's a lot of people that look at club hockey like a, like a joke or something that's uh, not too serious. But, I mean, we have our, we have our own rink here um, that holds, I want to say, 2,500 people. Um, we usually pack that out, um, for home games. And then, uh, we have our own locker room where we have stalls and get to keep our gear and everything and an equipment room and everything. So yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty serious gig. Um, and then I think one thing that stands out from, uh, us and most, um, other ACHA programs is that we, we have outdoor games down here in Georgia. So we move our, our rink is actually like we, we can take it up and put it down. Um, it takes a, a week or so to do, but um, at the end of our season, um, we put the rink outdoors for our last two games and we play two outdoor games. So that's something that um, strays us away from the pack a little bit. So there's just a lot of things I think that the University of Georgia offers that a lot of ACHA programs and even D- D3 or D1 um, NCAA programs don't offer uh, that it really makes the experience a, a, a good time down here. And, and hey, Georgia has helped out other programs too because Auburn and South Carolina got to play in that outdoor rink. So, hey, it's college hockey for everybody yeah. out there in yeah. Athens. So, so looking at this as well, I mean, the season's not over yet. Yeah, you won the SECHC, but up next is, is regionals and, and then wanting for a berth in nationals and kind of explaining that process there too. So what is next for you guys? You, I know you have some other games left too, but what is the, the ultimate goal is obviously to go to nationals and, and win there too. What's that process like for the Ice Dogs to have to get to that point? Yeah, um, I mean, coming into uh, coming into the year, like I said, this is always a cir- or uh, last week was always a circle on the calendar. Um, I think that we've been riding that. Uh, we got got that win and um, been able to celebrate that a little bit. But I think it's time to uh, focus focus up now on uh, our next um, scheduled games at hand, and which is this weekend down in Tampa. So we'll be uh, playing verse. Um, University of Tampa down there for two games and then uh, after that we'll uh, play that by ear and then hopefully uh, see where we go from there. Excellent and and you're fairly local to the Nashville area and uh, you went through Elite Edge as well which is a great showcase that happens here with lots of training and and you get seen by a lot of people just what was that experience like going through Elite Edge because I know so many uh, players in this whole area and they've, they've graduated players all the way to the NHL as well too so what's that program like for you and how did it help you become the player that you are today? 
Yeah, um, Elite Edge helped me grow as grow as a hockey player for sure. Um, not only as a hockey player, but uh, a better person off the ice. Just meeting the coaches and the staff there and everything. And um, I think that it's one of those things. It's one of those camps where most people look at the South not as a, obviously a, a hotbed for hockey, but this camp showcases all kinds of skill. You have you have guys coming in from Norway, from Sweden. You have coaches coming in from over 50 D1 schools and junior programs. Um, so you're, you're going out there, you're playing hockey, and you're getting, in front of, and getting yourself in front of a, a heck of a lot of scouts, um, coaches, and it's only going to set you up for good things in your future. So when I was going through it, um, I remember you'd, you'd get off the ice from a practice or a game, whatever it may be, and there'd be coaches there to talk to you. They'd pull you out of the locker room, tell you about their program a little bit, um, ask what you were interested in, the path that you want to take. And I think that it, it taught me a lot about, um, about preparing for the real world of hockey, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. n- noticing that I had to move away. Uh, cause I mean, obviously you can't, you can't make it that far if you're playing strictly in Nashville, you've got to, you got to move to play juniors. You've got to move, move to play college. You've got to move to play some U18. Um, so it really prepared me for the future of my um, hockey career and set me up pretty nicely. No, it absolutely did. And, and look at everything you've accomplished there at Georgia. But, Carter, we, we've got to get going to our break, but we appreciate your time. And congratulations on winning the, the new Sarge Cup. And good luck for the rest of the, the, the season with regionals and nationals. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, folks. Carter Penzian, he is the captain of the University of Georgia Ice Dogs, champion of the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference. What a fun tournament that was over the weekend. So many volunteers involved. So a huge thank you to everyone that made that tournament such a success. Uh, Great, great college hockey. Fast-paced, hard-hitting, lots of goals scored, no doubt. And you can find a lot of coverage of that on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. So thank you to Carter on that. Up next, we're going to talk Vegas Golden Knights. We have Ben Goats of the Vegas Review-Journal. Coming up, the Predators are playing the Golden Knights Saturday in Vegas. This is Justin Bradford with Glenn Blackwell. You're listening to Penalty Box Radio on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Buck behind the glass. And now let's talk Vegas Golden Knights. We have Ben Goats. He is with the Las Vegas Review Journal joining us. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's talk Golden Knights. They, they've been having some struggles, just like the Nashville Predators have here of late, and, and with the teams that they've been losing to as, as well. Losing to some teams that are going on hot streaks, uh, it, it seems, here and there in the month of February. So overall, just what's the status of, of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, and what you're seeing out of them right now? Yeah, it's been a weird stretch for the team. They just lost 5-2 to the Arizona Coyotes at home last night. That was their fourth straight loss at T-Mobile Arena, which ties a franchise record. It's not a long history for the franchise, but it's still pretty notable. And especially Coach Gerard Gallant was not happy with his team's effort last night. He said they played soft, he didn't like their forecheck, and he worked them a little bit harder than usual in practice today to try to get back to that winning mentality, that winning edge that this team usually has. Because when they play good on the forecheck, they usually succeed. When they're not good on the forecheck, 
they usually don't succeed. And Ben, like you mentioned, um, and like Justin had mentioned, you know, losing four in a row at home, there's quite a few things that seem to be plaguing them right now. And like you said, coach kind of addressed those issues um, in practice. So what are you seeing, like, as far as somebody that watches this team as close as you do? I know there's little specifics, like he didn't like the forecheck and such, but what are you seeing that disconnect? Are they getting too comfortable? Um, And how do you see Gallant addressing those issues going into the Toronto and the Nashville game? I think there's definitely a chance this team is getting too comfortable because if you look at the standings, they're nine points clear of Vancouver for third place in the Pacific Division, but they're nine points behind the San Jose Sharks for first place in the Pacific Division. So they're kind of in this weird spot where they're not really in any danger of losing a playoff spot, but they're not really in position to start to contend for a division title either. And so I think you do see a little bit maybe complacency with this team. I mean, last night you saw them trying to make some long passes that led to turnovers, that led to odd man rushes the other way. And so I think you saw this team being a little bit too fancy and maybe being a little bit too comfortable with its game. And then they got burned by Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes last night because of it. Again, Ben Goats, he's with the Las Vegas Review-Journal, joining us to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and Ben, with the trade deadline coming up, you talk about that little bit of complacency. Is this the kind of thing we're getting the sense where Vegas is going to stand pat? Do you think they're looking to add pieces? Obviously, probably not going to sell, but what, what are you kind of getting the feel of from the Vegas right now? I think they're definitely going to gauge the market. I would say they're more likely to be buyers, but I don't think they're looking to make a big splash right now. General, General Manager George McPhee told uh, my colleague David Shane the other day that he's pretty comfortable with how this team looks right now, and he's not looking to make a big addition, but he will be out in the market making phone calls and kind of seeing what's available. Because this is the team that did make a big move in the offseason. They traded a lot of assets to get a winger Max Pacioretty in here. So that was really their big move of the year. And I think what's also interesting to note about this team specifically is as much success as the Knights have had so far, they're still only a second-year team. So I don't think they want to just be trading away draft picks to try to contend for a cup right away because they're still building up their minor leagues. They're still building up their prospect pool. They've only been through two drafts so far, so they still don't have the depth of prospects, just the sheer number of prospects that other teams have. So I really think they're not trying to be cavalier with their picks because they want to build the depth of their system out. Sure, no, that totally makes sense. And now looking at the crease, uh, goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury played 50 games already this season, which obviously, that's a lot. Uh, And then looking at this, is there any concern for him getting tired come playoff time? I mean, I know Malcolm Subban, he recently came off the IR. uh, And looking at this things too, do they want to balance it a little bit more in the crease, or is it just Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play as many games as he possibly can for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think it's definitely a concern, but every time you ask uh, Gerard Gallant about that, he does kind of downplay it. He says he talks with goaltending coach Dave Pryor every day. Dave Pryor talks with Marc-Andre Fleury every day, and if Fleury says he's rested and good to go, then he's going to go. This is a team that kind of trusts Fleury and what he says, and as long as Fleury gives him the thumbs up and says he's good, I think more often than not they're going to play him, especially if they have you know a couple – breaks between games on back-to-backs. That's when you kind of see Malcolm Subban or whoever the backup is kind of get some games. But if it's kind of, you know, a day between games, if there's some rest in there, more often than not, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. And it will be interesting to see if that might catch up to him later on the year or as this team gets into the playoffs. 
Oh, absolutely. It'd be interesting. I know the talk in here in Nashville, too, is, well, is Pecorini going to be well-rested enough? Because that's the, the office conversation that happens here a lot, too. So looking at this roster, and we talked about a little bit earlier with trades, is there something that you're seeing that is absolutely missing from this roster now that would put Vegas over the edge in terms of what they need to be a contender this season? Yeah, I think you look at scoring depth is still kind of an issue for this team. They have a first line that was really phenomenal last year with Jonathan Marshall, William Carlson, and Riley Smith. They put together a really good second line this year with Alex Tuck, who's had kind of a breakout season. Paul Stabney has been really great for them, and Max Pacioretty, who they add in the offseason. And their fourth line has actually been you know, reasonably effective, too. But that third line has really just not produced the way I want it to, I think. Center Cody Eakin has shown flashes when he's played maybe up a line that he's been really good. He's still shown flashes playing with other players, not necessarily his own line mates. But I think he needs some more help to be more productive. And they kind of have mixed and matched the guys that are on that third line recently, kind of searching for answers, searching for the right combination that might help that be more than just a break-even line. And I am curious to see if they decide that someone outside the organization is that missing piece to make that line more effective. And we got to touch on this because the last time these two teams faced off, it was it got a little chippy, a little, a little chippy there. We had Pierre Edouard Belmar and and PK Subban get into a little bit of things there too. And the billboard was even made in Vegas uh, concerning this. So, just what was your take on this? Was it laughable? Is it something that you think was that should have been a bigger issue? Should be downplayed in terms of the biting incident? I mean, I thought it was personally pretty enjoyable. You don't see that that often, no. especially the billboard. Shout out to the guy who bought the billboard. That is a phenomenal troll job. Uh, that is why people love sports is little stuff like that. Yeah. I do think it was probably made a little bit too much of, I don't Edward Belmar meant to bite down on P.K. Subban's hand. I do think P.K. probably got his fingers near Belmar's mouth, mm-hmm. and in the heat of the moment, if a guy puts his fingers near your mouth, you're probably going to bite down or at least like try to do something to defend yourself. Just kind of a weird situation where everyone involved kind of came out on the wrong end. And so I will be interested to see if there's any spillover that comes in this next game. I mean, we saw when that incident happened, uh, Ford Ryan Reeves for the Knights was going to take a charge at uh, PK, it looked like. So it'll be interesting to see if there's still any bad blood and lingering tensions uh, when these two teams face off Saturday. Yeah, I'm just waiting to see if there's any of those wind-up chomping teeth walking around the visiting <laughs> locker room uh, when the Predators <laughs> arrive. That would be something there, too. So, so now, looking at Vegas, too, and what's been awesome to see is are, are, are the practices and how it seems like there's so many fans that are coming out there, too. And in your time there in Vegas as well and covering this team, too, how have you noticed the sport of hockey growing out there in terms of people being involved and in, in youth skaters and, and people just wanting to be involved in the sport? Yeah, I think you've really seen hockey kind of surprise people here. People have really embraced it, and especially because people have really fallen in love with this team. And I really think people fell in love with the team more than they fell in love with the sport initially. Because when the night started, you had, of course, that tragic incident of 1 October happened, and this team was really something that the city could rally around. And it was really one of the first things that was kind of unifying for this city. Because even when I first showed up in Las Vegas, you have kind of people who came from all different cities that moved here, and they had their own sports team. Well, now the Golden Knights give them a a team that they could all cheer for together, And that ended up being really important in the wake of everything that happened last fall. And so I think you've seen this city and the team just became bonded so intricately 
once that happened. And that's been really huge for the city and something they've really rallied behind. Well, that's awesome to see. That's something we're just obviously passionate about here in a non-traditional market, uh, previously non-traditional market, and now we just see how hockey is growing too. So it's going to be awesome to see the first products when you see drafted from these cities, NHL products. So, Ben, thank you so much for your time and, and appreciate you joining us and, and talk with Vegan Golden Knights. Hey, no problem. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Folks, that is Ben Goats. He is with the Las Vegas Review Journal out of Las Vegas talking Vegas Golden Knights. The Preds face Vegas in Vegas this Saturday night, and I really hope for some chomping teeth. That I'm was really too funny. I just tweeted you some because they're, they're so good. That should be the giveaway. It has <laughs> to be. be. the giveaway right there. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I just keep thinking, walking in the locker room, and you see those little teeth with the, with the feet and on it. And they make the noise. They're like... <laughs> That right there, that would be the ultimate troll oh. job right there, too. I mean, hey, Pete, didn't PK Pete, bring in Listerine I was, during the playoffs? Oh, my God, you're such a mind reader. I was oh, going to yeah. say PK would probably walk in there with some fake teeth, yeah. you know, the big, big teeth. Oh, he yeah. would probably walk in there with that because that's his personality. But <laughs> Oh, I love this oh, game. Oh, man, that's good. Okay, um, next we have lots of Twitter questions. You can only imagine what some of these questions are going to be uh, about. All that's up next here on Penalty Box Radio on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Buck behind the glass. And Buck, you, you have something pretty exciting going on this weekend, don't you? Uh, yeah, I have to get in here with the plug, and I appreciate you guys for letting <laughs> me do it. Uh, so the Titans Media Corps is doing the oh polar plunge oh boy. with head coach Mike Vrabel on Saturday. 38 degrees is the temperature of the water. Okay. Uh, I can't swim, but we will be jumping uh, to raise funds for the Special Olympics of Tennessee. We've raised almost $15,000. Right. Uh, the people that we've asked for to contribute have been spectacular. So uh, if you would like to support a good cause, feel free to do so. And if not, Come out and enjoy the fun, at the very least, in Lot R of Nissan Stadium. Uh, I'm wearing adult water wings, and I'm probably going to need Mike <laughs> to pull me out of the water, uh, because once I hit it, I will immediately panic and start clawing at the air uh, for my dear life. So, so this is a controlled environment, 38 degrees then, right? Yes. So it doesn't matter the outside temperature, they're making sure the water is cold. 100%. Smart. This, yeah. That's very smart of them. And also, if you ever see Buck next to water, please don't push him in, because he can't swim. He can't. No, even with your floaties on? I mean, I can float, float with the floaties on, but I can't swim. <laughs> well, I'm glad he can float because I would be really concerned. I, would, I was about float. to say, I'd be very concerned. Well, that is exciting, though. Yeah, That's going to be fun. Don't, don't push Buck in the water. Yeah, please please don't. Um, unless you want to donate, and then you can probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> your own personal dunk buck. That's hard to dunk say. Buck. Gosh. I was Every, say, be careful, Glenn. I know. <laughs> Everyone has a price. Yeah. <laughs> and if you donate... That's Mine happens to be very, very low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's get into our PBR questions uh, because we had plenty. This comes from George Matarangus. What stat do you wish was public? <laughs> I didn't even see that question. He, I, I hadn't. Okay. He is our resident stats person, Penalty Box Radio. I, I love this question because what I would like to track is the amount of F-bombs said from the benches during a game. Oh, that is really good. That'd be a pretty interesting stat, and I would venture to say it'd be well over 100. 
That's a fantastic <laughs> stat. Yeah. I mean, there's How nothing fancy about that? that stat, but I just want someone with a counter down there next to old dummy Pierre Maguire. <laughs> with a little. Yeah, that's a that's a really good stat. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I didn't even see that question, so I can't think on my feet for that one. Uh, you can't really top that. Okay, well, that's your great. stat. Reed Sears, what will it take to ignite the fire that the team had in their cup run? Well, Oof. I don't think you cannot have that same type of fire because it was unexpected and it just happened. Yeah. Uh, in terms of ignite the fire, it, shakeups can happen. That's one thing that will ignite a fire into some people. Yeah. You know, a, a scratch here or there could ignite some people as well. There's lots of things that could ignite and, a fire. Yeah, if they can ignite that fire within themselves and like play their system right and start to win some games, get that confidence back, they're going to kind of ignite that for themselves. They just got to do mm-hmm. it. So, this is from uh, Project Pat Summit. Glenn, what are you going to call the Nashville NWHL team if they get one uh, when they inevitably give us one? Is, is what he says. Uh, could we use the Dixie Flyers? I don't think the Dixie Flyers mm-hmm. is going to be used, but I think there's lots of good options that you could play. Uh, on the South and and Nashville area as well, Glenn. What do you? I'm going to call this one, and you can re-listen to the show when mm-hmm. it happens. The buttered biscuits. <laughs> can we say that? <laughs> yes, I love buttered biscuits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Saros called Pekka a d bag on the player. <laughs> so we're we're good with buttered biscuits and the WHL. Biscuits. I think it's fantastic. Talking about loveless. It's great. So, oh yeah. my gosh, that's my team name. So, we'll see what happens. Actually, ask me again if we can say that on the air. Can we say that on the air? Buttered biscuits. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Peyton Turnage asks: Regardless of cost, who would you choose, Duchesne, Panarin, or Stone? If it's regardless of cost, and it's just n- no matter what, it's Panarin for me. Yeah, I mean, I would say Panarin or Stone, but I also, there is, I feel like there's a narrative behind Duchesne um, of him wanting to come to Nashville so bad. I mean, he he loves this city so much. So there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, his love and passion for this city might make me think that that could work, but... I don't know. I mean, Panarin. Yes, <laughs> I would. I would tie. I'm gonna have to say I would tie on Panarin and Stone. Pick of one, those three, Duchesne. I'm going to You're Duchesne. You're going Duchesne. Yep. Interesting. Why? Mark my words. The same reason I went with buttered biscuits. It's an intuition. No, I feel like there's a narrative behind that, I and that. sometimes the narrative plays out into that story of a winning team, and it's like you just don't ever know. So just to go against the grain, because I can't choose between Panarin and Stone, I'm saying Duchesne. I just have a feeling right now that you have a counter of how many times you can say buttered biscuits on air, Glenn, and you're going to go home and write up something about it, because it's going to be a ding, ding counter going. (laughs) I'm just counting with my chattering teeth over here. Oh my gosh. We're so unserious tonight. We're all sleep deprived here. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From Adam Reynolds, what dead weight could this team drop? I really don't think there's dead weight to drop right now. And now people are going to say, well, what about McLeod? If you want to look at the way that they're trying to build this team, do I agree that Cody McLeod should be on the ice? No. There are other factors. And I understand this is a business. They need to win, things like that. He came back. The team really likes him in the locker room. They like his personality. They like his just veteran presence in there as well and what he brings there too. When it's explained that way, I'm okay with it. But, but, if it's taking away a spot from a guy like Rocco Grimaldi, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. We saw already the little 
flashes of what Grimaldi offers out there, which is that spunk. Yeah. And he was out on the ice. And if you're going to have a player that only plays two to three minutes a night, I think that's wasting a roster spot. That's just my honest opinion right there. It's wasting a roster fair. spot. Yeah. But if you want to keep him on there for certain select games, okay, that's I understand it. Point. And for yeah. him to be near his family and to be in the locker room, a presence around the team, understand that as long as you have other players there that are going to get the playing time that need it. That is 100% fair. And I think the what thing, like one thing that the Preds fans can really appreciate about appreciate about what David Poyle has done is he hasn't really built a team of deadweight to drop. You know, there's a team right now that is pretty solid and very talented um, if they can get their system right. But I just don't really have anybody that comes to mind as deadweight at this point right now. I really don't. No, not not, not deadweight in, in that at, Exactly, manner. yeah. In that matter, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's weight that you can trade. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's tradable weight out there, but but not necessarily dead weight. Okay, GBC Gaines uh, kind of asked this, the same thing about McLeod in the room, too, and I just think there's other there's other factors that were in play there. Mm-hmm. And it's a seventh-round pick next year is what happened. Okay, moving along, because they were keeping Ronaldo on the roster. They obviously made that clear, being in, seeing as how they waived Tony Potato as well. It was clear they wanted to make sure that they had that type of player that could be physical out there if they, if they really wanted to put a player out there. So, again, I understand that as well. Okay, Pred Kelly. Uh, what would the fallout be if the Preds continue to decline and end up missing the playoffs? Before you say it won't happen, remember it can. Jofa can't carry this team by themselves. Totally different when they're not on the ice. If 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 you want to see a fire upon fires that you've never seen before, if this team misses the playoffs somehow, you better shut off the internet in Nashville. Yeah. Because it will be ridiculous and insane, and I bet people will try to call up to cancel their tickets. They'll be booing, and it'll be a proportions that we've never seen before because expectations. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we've, we've talked about this before. Expectations for this team and why they rise. It is not just media giving the team attention, okay? When you go out and you make a deep run, what are the expect- expectations for the next season? Well, to copy that. Yep. Have another deep run. Well, they did that in the regular season last year. They went out and won the President's Trophy. They went out and won the Division the one the regular season Western Conference champions put up the banner. Okay, we got that. Mm-hmm. So the expectations coming into this season, especially when you're basically carrying the same exact team, obviously the expectation is going to be that. That's not something that the media put on anybody. That's not something that anyone but the team themselves put on them, the pressure, because of how they performed. That's what, how expectations work in sports. If your team's performing this well, the expectation is that you copy that. When the, when the Titans went out and made the playoffs, the expectation is, well... You better do it again. Yeah, that's with any team. I mean, the exp- you don't ex- the expectations don't fall unless you win a championship, and all of a sudden you have to drop players because of salary cap. Then the expectations can fall, and they do. Yeah, but when a team continues to rise, the expectations do. So obviously, the expectation this year is you better win the cup. Yeah, and I mean they they've they've set themselves up for that expectation when they yes. made that deep cup run. That wasn't an expectation. That happened. Everybody watched it unfold and cheered them on. But before that, there wouldn't have been a fallout if they didn't make that deep run because that expectation was not there. Right. But when you do this season after season after season now at this point, you're expected. And, and if you it. don't, yeah. yeah. If you don't, then, I mean, they're going to let themselves down ultimately if that's the case oh, yeah. as well. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I think I'll leave Nashville for a day or two if that happens. <laughs> Maybe a week. <laughs> going to have to go get a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, in the mountains. No and turn internet. off the interwebs. And I'll just, I'll just, I need to mute the group for a little bit. Yeah. The, yeah. The Facebook group. See if we can just turn off all commenting for a day or so. I don't think it will happen. It will take a lot for that to happen, given how the Western Conference is playing out. 
but you never say never nope. in, in this league, too. You could have teams that get very, very hot and the Predators get very, very cold. That's why I opened the show with saying it's okay to be concerned. There are, there are lots of things happening right now that are cause for concern because from the get-go of this season, the power play is struggling. We're being told it'll get better. These things go in waves. Well, it's been low tide all season. And remember the conversation we had multiple times on air mm-hmm. early, mid-January? I repeatedly kept saying, if this is continuing through mid-February, start to get a little concerned. That's a yeah. fair argument. It's so, a fair argument. And here we are, mid-February, the par- yeah, the and it's still struggle. not worked out. And I guarantee you, they're going to lose games in the playoffs, and they're not going to make it far at all if you can knock the power play up to at least 17%. Yeah. Because if you cannot capitalize on that, yeah, if you can't capitalize on that, then... When you can't even get to the league average, you're struggling, and therefore teams... You're not worried about teams taking a penalty against you. Yeah, sure. Slash the crap out of them. I don't care. Oh, five on three? Sure. Bite them. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes. All right, well, folks... Plenty more hockey coverage at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Appreciate you listening tonight. For Producer Buck and Spider Jack and intern Danielle and Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game.